Okay, people, it is the first echo chamber of the new year, 2023. But like we do, we start off the same, right? With the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 6th to the 8th of January. So at number 10, it is Lyle Lyle Crocodile. So this is from Will Speck and Josh Gordon. It's written by Will Davis and adapted from Bernard Weber's books. We got Constance Wu, Javier Bardem, Scoot McNary, Brett Gellman, Sean Mendes, Winslow Fegley, Salvis Guscu, Don DePeter, Yuzi Jupiter. You know, I think it's part live action, part animation. You know what I mean? Okay, at number nine, it is uh, Tommy Workholer's Violent Night, which is written by Josh Miller and Pat Casey, starring David Haybar. Beverly D'Angelo, John Lizgamo, Cam Gigandet, Edie Patterson, Brendan Fletcher, Alex Hassel, you know, Mitri Suri. So that means people at number eight, right? Um, hmm. Yeah. At number eight, we have The Menu, right? So this is from Mark Mylod, uh, written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. And it's starring Anna Taylor-Joy, Ralph Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, Janet McAteer, John Lezigamo again. Amy Carrero, Judith Light, Paul Adelson, Hong Chow, Rob Yang, Arturo Castro, Christina Brocato, Reed Bimmy. Um, and we look at that film on this episode, people. Um, so at number oh gosh. Six, yes, no, at number seven. Sorry, the, ma- the amazing Morris from Toby Genkel and Florian Westerman. Um, written by Terry Rosie. Um, from uh, you know, the work of Terry Pritchard, okay, and it's starring Hugh Laurie, Emma. Emily, Emily, Ur, Amelia Clark, David Fuelles, Hamish Patel, Gemma Apperton, Joe Sugg, Arian Bakar, Julie Atherton, Rob Bryden, Hugh Bonneville, and David Tennant. So, at number six, people, it is Courage. This is the new film written and directed by Marie Krutzer. 
um, starring Colin Morgan, Vicky Cripes, Ivana Urban, Finnegan Oldfield, Alma Husan, and Gina Werner. Right, so now we're in our top five. Okay, so at number five, it is Strange World. Looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I think it was now. Right, Don Hall and Kwai Nugent direct, and Nugent also writes a script with Jake Gyllenhaal, Jacoby Young White, Gabriel Union, Alan Tudrick, Lucy Liu, and Dennis Quaid all bringing their voices to play. At number four, still holding strong, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ryan Cougar directs and co-writes with Joe Robert Cole. We've got Angela Bassett, Danny Garcia, Latia Wright, Lapita Nagungo, um, Tenant Herrera, Martin Freeman, Lake Bell, uh, Michaela Cole, Dominic Fern, Winston Duke, Richard Schreif. Man, I'm, I'm just eager to see that film. At number three, it is Matthew Walker's Matilda the Musical. You know, adapted from the work of a Ronald Dahl. Ronald Dahl? Raul Dahl. Yeah, not Ronald. Raul Dahl. Um, Dennis Kelly writes the screenplay. It's um, starring Emma Thompson, Stephen Graham, Andrea Reisberg, Lashana Lynch, Catherine Kingsley, Aisha Weir. Um, so at number two, I want to dance with somebody. Not me. This is the Whitney Houston film from Cassie Lemons. Um, Anthony McCartan writes a script and it's starring Naomi Aki. Stanley Tushi, Tamara Tooney, Clark Peters, Ashton Sanders, Nafessa Williams, Naheem Garcia, Heidi Gaza, Marilyn Swick. And it means the number one film this week, people. Right? Surprise, surprise, it's Avatar, The Way of the Water. Uh, James Cameron is back directing, and he co-writes with Rick Gaffer and Amanda Silver. We got Zoe Salander, Kate Winslet, Sam Worthington, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Giovanni Ravisi, Bailey Bass, Chloe Coleman, uh, and many more. Oh, um, yeah, I also gave the um yeah messed up the date this is what's the date um yeah no this was from the weekend of the 30th to the 1st of june so uh yes there we go people so right that's the top 10 I feel we now should get into this week's films. So, let's go. Mm. 
Okay, people, so we are going to get things started with the minute you wake up dead. Okay, people, so we have a new, they say it's a noir, right? I, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I just feel a noir would be something else. I don't know what I would classify this as well. There's a thriller. Hmm. Who knows, man? But anyway, anyway, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the minute you wake up dead. This is the new film from director Michael Mailer, who co-wrote it with Timothy Holland. The film is produced by Andrew Stevens, is executive produced by Stan Wertelib, Dawn Bernstein, Alan Bernstein, and Barry Broker. Co executive produced by Brian W. Carpenter, and line produced by Alexandro Penazzi. The music was from David and Eric Worst. Adam Biddle handled cinematography. Michael Coog edited the piece. Sarah Oliver, production design. Bianca Caffey, costume design. Production management was Sam Stevens. Sound, Ruben Mazzolini and Trey Wilson. Uh, our cast. Well, we have got Russ Potter, played by Cole Hooser, Delaney Moore, played by Jamie Alexander, Lucas McFalls is played by Darren Mann, Sheriff Fermod Flowler, played by Morgan Freeman, his deputy Tillman Kane is played by Ben Vandermeer. Um, there's Jody, played by Tony DeMille, Dewey, played by Andrew Stevens, Mace, played by John Dylan Atkins, um, there's Cecil Hammond, played by James Harlan Palmer, Carl, played by Dwight Dahlgren, Horace, played by John Reed, Atticus, Kenneth Farmer, um, do, 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 who did I miss? Did I miss anyone? Um, oh, Perny Cannon is played by Leanne Patterson. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Right now, the gist of this story an investment banker in small-town America, finds one mistake could cost him his life as his clients lose vast amounts of money. As the threats begin to pile in, one call asks, where will you be the minute you wake up dead? Down on his luck, he enters into an insurance scam with a femme fatale neighbor, which leads to multiple murders when others want their own slice of the pie. That 
that people is definitely not what goes like he enters into no 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 oh my gosh oh that's insane so like the cast in this film right you might you might recognize a lot of those names they've been in big films big films tv shows you know what i mean they've all done their thing so there's some serious acting chops on this table, especially Morgan motherfucking Freeman, right? Morgan Freeman. Hey, but we do not seem to see any of these talents on screen, which is baffling. Right now, Story-wise, this isn't this isn't an intricate story, right? It's not like one of um, Morgan's films, right? Seven. It, it, it's not that. Definitely not that, right? Which is, um, yeah, it's a shame, right? It's not fun like the four films that Alexandra has been in. You know, it, it's just, it's a story that wants to be complex, right? Wants to be layered and intriguing and have you guessing at every step. But you, you pretty much know what's happening all the way through. There's no real surprises. And then the surprises we do get, not that they're surprises, but it, it's just, it doesn't make any sense, right? There's a lot of things that go down here that make no sense, no sense at all, right? You've got this um, banker, right? Our banker, you know, played by uh, Cole Cooser, right? Russ Potter. He's advised a load of people on these stocks. And because of a merger, merger doesn't go down. A whole gang of people have lost their money. Right? And he even says a few times, I've lost a lot of money too. So we get all of these threats coming at him, which have essentially have no consequence on this story whatsoever. Right? So we have this. You've got this whole situation with Delaney, right? Now, Ross does indicate that they went to school together and he had a crush on her back then. But as far as we're aware, the first time in the restaurant is the first time they have reconnected after all those years. And... They didn't even hang out all those years ago. So they weren't friends, right? And you get this situation and you're just like, well, this is a bit weird, right? And then you're just like, okay, where is this going? Now, that whole storyline, it, it gets very convoluted. But then when you get to the end of the film, Right, you you have to look at that relationship and go. 
why though <laughs> right what impact does this have on the plan right and i may be stupid but i do not see how that impact the plan one bit right it, the only thing would be is the the misdirection but the misdirection was already there because of the whole stock thing so it's bizarre it's a bizarre thread and you you've got this thing that goes down and we all know right and, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that the more people that know about something the harder it is to keep secret but everyone knows everyone seems to know, <laughs> you know I mean? like and you're you're choosing to do this thing you wouldn't choose someone with a loud mouth right you just wouldn't do it so like this this could have been a, a more complex interesting you know intricate story it just yeah it, it reads like it's a paint by numbers job here right I, I'm, I'm just baffled by it which you know you don't want to be mean because you understand these people put in so much effort to make these things but when you know the performances these actors can deliver, I don't know how you'd be happy with any of these scenes, right? There's a, bit, there's a couple of scenes where certain characters get shot and just the hammy, well, wooden way, right, in which it goes down, you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. we've seen you die before. You can do it well. What the fuck was that? What was that? Right? Just these wooden relationships and interactions. Be like, I need to stay at your house again tonight. Hey, babe, you know that's okay. Whatever you need. It's just like, oh, my God. There's a whole chase sequence. Right? And at the start, the cars are far apart. Right then, there's no way this the rear car is closing on the lead car. Then all of a sudden, the the, the rear car's ramming the lead car. And you're just like, wait, they weren't even close. So why would they be close now? Right? Gah. It, it's it's so frustrating. And the end, right? It, you just have to scratch your head and be like, wait, why would someone do that? Right? Wouldn't you wait to get details? Why would you? Yeah, it was just. Oh, this is a very frustrating film, people. I'm afraid, right? But if you, I don't even know. I don't even know, right? Do you want a thriller, which is just something you throw on in the background? Maybe that, right? The minute you wake up dead could be that. We never even get the title explained. Never get it explained, right? But that is part of a storyline that made no sense and was not needed 
for the actual <laughs> gist of what this film was. But yeah. Hey, it's out on Monday, people. Um, if it sounds like it could be your thing. Oh boy. Well, yeah, grab it on all of your favorite VODs. Okay, next we have the first of our two Netflix joints. It is the new Noah Backenbau White Noise. Okay, people. So Noah Birnbach has got a new film out, and you know I had to go check that, right? I really enjoyed Marriage Story, Kicking and Screaming. Oh, man, the Mosevich stories, however you pronounce it. Like, uh, Squid and a Whale. Yeah, you know I mean, he's had some great stuff out there. So he, again, writes and directs this. But it's also based on Don DeLilio's 1985 book of the same name. Yeah, didn't know it was based on a book for a little while. Um, but there you go. You know, the film is produced by... Let's have a look. Boom back. Um, David Heyman and Yuri Singer. It's executive produced by Brian Bell and Leslie Converse. It's associate produced by Teresa Cario and co-produced by Jonas Sparatelli. Danny Elfman provided the music. Lal Crawley handles cinematography. It's edited by Matthew Hananan. Douglas Ibel did the casting. Jess Guncher, production design. Art direction is Stephen Dudro and Chris Farmer. Set decoration is Claire Kaufman. Um, and our cast. Well, it's a pretty good cast, right? We have got... Um, Babette is played by Greta Gerwig. Jack is played by Adam Driver. They're a married couple. They've got four kids. Um, Denise, played by Rafi Cassidy. Steffi, played by May Nivola. Sam, played by... Sorry, Henrik, played by Sam Nivola. And Wilder, played by Henry and Dean Moore. Wilder's a baby, essentially. Um, there's also Murray, played by Don Cheadle, a professor at um, College on the Hill, where Jack teaches as well. Um, we've got Danny Wallachban, who's also a, a teacher. No, he's Jack's German teacher. Yes. Um, we have got um 
Mr. Gray, who is played by Lars Edinger. Um, Alphonse, played by Sam Gold. Uh, Kotsakis, played by George Dracolorius. Grapper, played by Carlos Jack Lasher, played by Andre 3000. Winnie, these are all lecturers, played by Jody Turner Smith. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that some. Um, Oh yeah, the, the 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 main. There's a lot of other people showing up in the evacuation and at the college and all of that jazz. Um, but yeah, that that's probably the the, the our, our main lot. Um, can I say that's the main lot? Yeah, I feel I will say that's the main lot. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. At once hilarious and horrifying, lyrical and absurd, ordinary and apocalyptic, white noise dramatizes a contemporary American family's attempts to deal with the mundane conflicts of everyday life while grappling with the universal mysteries of love, death, and the possibility of happiness in an uncertain world. Very vague. Very vague. I don't really feel that does a lot of justice to what we are seeing and what is actually happening. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about this film. There's a lot that, I don't know, is also a bit odd about this film, right? Which, Burnback does do that, you know what I mean? Sometimes it works more than others, you know? Um, but this one, I really did enjoy the characterization, right? The kids all seemed very different. Um, then it's just like the, the, the oddness of Jack and Barbette, which was great, really came off. And the other big thing, I mean, Adam Driver. He's a and Gerwig, huge transformations, right? And I would say the performances you wouldn't think, oh, that's just typical, you know what I mean? It definitely felt like something different here, which is always a good thing, always a really good thing. And I think at the start of the film, we just get this kind of, I don't know little look at this family's life, how they're, you know, trying to make things work and all of that jazz, which was, you know, is is it's not a whole heap of crazy stuff happening, but it's interesting, right? Real interesting. We then get the airborne toxic event, which ain't gonna lie, I thought this may be another, like, COVID-type story. I mean, this is based in the 80s, so it's not. But you thought, oh, change the time, but it's essentially... No, it's not really that. And to be honest, the, the toxic airborne event is one of those threads that 
you, you just scratch your head out a little bit. It'd be like, was this needed? Like, what, what's happening here? You know? It didn't really go anywhere. Like, it throws in this whole death thing and all of that jazz. But I don't know. It, it, it didn't really seem like this impactful part of the story. Also, the whole pill situation got a bit weird, right? And then when you find out what the actual pills are for, you're just like, eh. I mean, it, it just, it didn't really feel like it was this big thing to make someone do the things that someone's done, you know? So that was a little bit, it was a little bit weird, you know what I mean? It was a bit weird. And then just the whole hotel bits and all of that kind of stuff did seem to go very weird. I mean, a German church? Like, I, I don't know. We started, the end started to get very, very odd, right? And, yeah, I don't know if it tied the film up. Uh, it just yeah the film just kind of ends in a way where I don't know what really does get addressed and doesn't get addressed you know like it's, it's not one of those films where you're expecting everything to have this clean finish or something but I don't know in the synopsis right it, it's, it's just saying that it's looking at these universal mysteries of love, death. I, I think these things get mentioned. I don't know if we really do a lot of looking, though, investigating into those subjects. Because it's like these things happen, and it's not like how can those happen in a, a, a loving situation? Right, there's these excuses made. I was out of body, and mm, I don't know. It doesn't really address though what that is, you know. And the death thing is just like, well, I've got a fear. I've got a fear, and you're like, okay, we're not really addressing it though, you know. So I think that's the that was my big thing though with the film that the, the, these things are touched on but that's it we don't really get anything else and i was hoping for this you know interesting analysis right this this interesting look at what these characters make of these things now the very end we do get a a dance routine which, as I say, like the end credits and all of that, it is fun. It's very random. <laughs> it is very random, but it is fun. So definitely stick around for that. The music and all of that, you know, cinematography, I enjoyed. I very much enjoyed. But, yeah, I have no real clue what I actually think of this film. I think I'm going to unpack it over the course of the rest of the week. I think it'll be one of those ones. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm intrigued by parts. 
the yeah again, the Hitler studies I don't that seemed a random thing along with the Elvis studies you know yeah again it was one of those things you thought oh maybe more is getting made out of this but it, it, yeah I don't know it's on Netflix though so if you're a fan of um, Noah Bonebeck Adam Driver Greta Gerwig you know Cheadle, any of the other uh, fun names in this film, then maybe you want to check it out. Okay, so there you go. Now we have our second Netflix joint. It is The Pale Blue Eye. Okay, people, so I decided to check out The Pale Blue Eye, right? A new Netflix joint. It is written and directed by Scott Cooper, and it's based on the 2003 book of the same name from Lewis Bayard. Okay, Um the film is produced by Christian Bale, uh, Scott Cooper, John Lacia, and Tyler Thompson. It's executive produced by Dylan Weatherard, Ryan Donald Smith, Chris Sharp, Emily Hunter Salverson. Uh, Tracy Landon, Jennifer Lamb, uh, Lewis Bayard. It is co-executive produced by Carrie Anderson, Dylan Bond, uh, Joshua Ryan Dietz, Vincent Grayshaw, um, Buddy Patrick and Christopher Sergeant. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, Catherine Farrell as well. So yeah, music was handled by Howard Shaw. Um. Yeah, I was listening to some Howard Shaw stuff at the weekend. Uh, cinematography. Um. Was from Masanobu Takayaji, uh, Dylan Tishner edited the film. Casting was Francine Maisler, production design Stephania Seller, art direction was Corey Swazen, Troy Sizemore, and Michael E. Goldman. Set decoration, Gretchen Gusto and Jane Madden. Costume design was Kazia Walika Mayamore. And our cast. Well, we have got Christian Bale as Augustus Landor. Harry Meeling is Cadet Edgar Allan Poe. 
We got Captain Hitchcock, played by Simon McBurney. Um, Superintendent Fire, played by Timothy Spall. Dr. Daniel Marquez is played by Toby Jones. Um, his daughter, Leah Marquez, is played by Lucy Byington. Um, his wife, Julia Marquez, is played by Gillian Anderson. Uh, for life of me, I was looking at it, I was thinking, who, I recognize that one. Who the hell? Gillian goddamn Anderson. Yeah. Um, gosh, who played his sons? Do, 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 do. Uh, yes, Cadet Artemis Marquez was played by Harry Lorty. Um, we also had do, do, Cadet Randolph Ballinger, played by Fred Henchinger. Cadet Shaddard, played by Joey Brooks. Um, Cadet Hunton, played by Brennan Kilcook. Cadet Horatio Cochran, played by Gideon Glitch. Cadet Hamilton, played by Jack Irv. Uh, Cadet Llewellyn Lee, played by Matt Helm. Cadet Loughborough, played by Charlie Tayan. Uh, we had Lieutenant Locke, played by Matthias Goldstein. Matty, um, Landor's daughter, is played by... Um, oh, where am I? Hadley Robinson. Um, Benny was played by Scott Anderson. Mrs. Fry was played by Orla Cassidy. Um, do we do no? Because and he, her son, Cadet Fry, is played by Stephen Mayer. Um, and Patsy Landor's wife is played by Charlotte Gainsborough. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. At West Point Academy in 1830, the calm of an October evening is shattered by the discovery of a young cadet's body swinging from a rope just off the parade grounds. An apparent suicide is not unheard of in a harsh regime like West Point's. But the next morning, an even greater horror comes to light. Someone has stolen into the room where the body lay and removed the heart. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. So, you know, this is based on some truth, right? It's a fictional tale, but it is based on some truth. Edgar Allan Poe did, for a time, um, go to West Point Academy, you know? So, yeah, that's all true. And the title, The Pale Blue Eye, is a line from one of his uh, poems. So, yeah, we, we, we have this story, and it's interesting because, oh, gosh, I feel it was in 2020 
there was a film called The Raven. It was a Shudder original. And it was based around that same period of time. Because it was meant to be a bit of a transformative experience these years at West Point for Poe, right? Where a lot of people feel that he got the inspiration for his works. Uh, so, yeah, like this one, it was interesting because we're going from, um, you know, Augustus Landor, right? He's our main character, Bale. So Poe, like with the Raven, Poe is the main character. In this one, you know, it's, as I say, it's Landor, which I thought, okay, this is interesting. We're, come, we're going a, a, a different route here. You know, and it's got all of this stuff happening because we see the hanging body and then we find out all oh, the hearts missing. And it's just like, oh, who, who could have done that? Right. And then these other things occur. And it is played well in the respect of, you know, what I mean? at the, like we see certain looks and behaviors, which does make you suspect some skullduggery from certain characters which is a bit of a uh, red herring right and yeah I mean as the story starts to unfold I think you probably will suspect certain people to have played a part right but it's then it's well what's happening how Right, which you know is intriguing, is intriguing. I, I do feel the film does meander. You know, I mean, it, it does seem to meander a little bit. Uh, it is, um, gosh, it's just over two hours, right? And you kind of feel that it probably could have been shorter probably could have been a bit more concise, right? Trim off a little of that fact. But the acting, we have some really good performance. Like Christian Bale, I mean, it's Christian Bale, right? Real good performance. You know, and the rest of the cast, I mean, Timothy Spall does look like he's chewing a lemon throughout. You know, I mean, just the, the faces my man is pulling is kind of crazy. But no, Really good acting, um, very nice cinematography, right? It, it, it feels, um, it feels this you know, cloaked in eerie and suspense. That's what it kind of feels like the way it's being lit and the tone and just all of that. It it works very well for this story, so all of that is very much in its favor. Now, the ending, because I think we're given a few twists and turns and herrings and all of that halaki, right, which is fine, but it, it needs to make sense, right? So we then get this stuff at the end, which are just like, huh, Okay, all right, fine.
But then this other thing happens, and you're just like, I don't know if someone's going to do that. Right? That kind of makes no sense. And just move it. Right? Just move it out the way, which is, I don't know, kind of baffling. So, but we think that's a conclusion. And then we get this next bit tacked on, which just felt unnecessary. Right? And it's just like, okay, that would have been all well and good if we had known earlier, maybe. Right? But to have it at the end like that just felt a bit pointless. And it also made certain interactions and that seem very weird. Because there's no need. And especially when the interactions happened in isolation. So not in front of people, right? Because you could think, okay, you might do that to have people suspect this and think this or leave people over here. But no, it wasn't even that. So it's just like, what would have been the point, right? That's the thing. It's just like, I'm all about clever twists and stuff. But I think if you're manipulating things in a way where people might suspect, but you're just not giving, you're giving people false information, that kind of makes it like you haven't done anything clever because you just, you you lied, right? You lied to people. That's not clever. That's just a lie, you know? So the, end, the, the, the next ending seemed a bit odd. So, yeah, that's my thing with this. Now, other people may love the intrigue, you know, the mystery, you know, and, and not find these two kind of endings that jarring and if that's the case boom awesome enjoy it people it is on netflix so yeah you can dip in and all of that jazz whenever you like okay so um the pale blue eye yeah i kind of feel that it is very it is different from the raven but similar in effect, they both kind of meander, and the endings are unsatisfactory. But it's just my opinion, people. Make your own, uh, make your own thoughts. You know what I mean? It's on Netflix. Go have fun. All right. And we're going to bring it home with the new Searchlight joint, right? Just hit Disney Plus. It is the menu. Okay, people. So, to be honest with you, right? This film wasn't initially on my radar. I'd heard about it, right? Great cast. But, yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason, just wasn't there. But I think the more I heard, the more I was kind of thinking, mm, maybe I'll give it a look. And then it appears on Disney Plus. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a look, right? So the menu, it is directed by Mark Mylod. I think it's only his full film, right? And... Yeah, like he did Ali, the Ali G film, which 
I hate it. So, you know what I mean? On the track record, I, I, I might not have gone near this. But, yeah, he directs. It's written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. The film is produced by Zahara Phillips, Dan Tram Nugent, uh, Betsy Koch, Adam McKay, Katie Goodson, and Will Farrell. It's executive produced by Will Tracy, Seth Reese, and Michael Sled. And it is associate produced by Jenna Goh. Colin Stetson handles the music, Peter Deming, cinematography, Christopher Telefesum edits the piece. Casting was Brett Howe and Mary Venue. Production design is Ethan Tobman. Art direction, Lindsay Moran. Uh, Gretchen Gattuso. Set decoration. Costume design is Amy Westcott. Um, and our car, our fantastic cast. Boy. So Ralph Fiennes is Chef Slowick. Um, Nicholas Holt is Tyler, who I'm looking at this dude. This, the first two people we see is, is Tyler and Margaret. And I'm like, I know that. I recognize that dude. Who the fuck is that dude? And yeah, Nicholas fucking Holt, right? Margaret is Anna Taylor Joy. Um, Elsa is Hong Chu. Lillian is Janet McAteer. Ted is Paul Adelstein. Uh, we've got the movie star played by John Leguizamo. Felicity, his assistant, is Amy Carrero. Richard, who is Lillian's husband, is played by Reed Burning. Uh, there's Anne, played by Judith Light. Re Linda, played by Rebecca Kuhn. Um, Bryce, played by Rob Yang. Soren, played by Otoro Castro. And their buddy Dave, played by Mark St. Cryer. Uh, the sommelier is played by Peter Gross. Catherine uh, is played by Christina Brocato. Jeremy, Adam Allardirks. Uh, the boat waiter is played by John Paul Aline. The boatman is played by Mel Fear. Um, Dale, the Coast Guard, is played by Matthew Cornwell. And there's a couple of servers we see. One is played by Christiane Gonzalez and the other, John Wilkins III. Right. Um, yeah. So, the gist of the flick... A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. So, 
Yeah, I think when we, you know, as I said, like the first two people we see is Tyler and Margaret, right? And I think from the giddy up, you're feeling there's there's more to some of these people than we know, right? The whole relationship between Margaret and Tyler seems a little at odds, right? He seems super eager to go to this spot. She, not so much, right? He, he's trying to convince her not to smoke because it's going to ruin her palate. And she's just like, eh, meh. It's on a fag, right? Then other people were turning up that he recognized, and I think Margaret recognized a couple as well. And it's just like, oh, there's some famous people coming on this trip. So you're like, hmm, right? She, we then see some one that Margaret definitely recognizes, and is like, oh, so yeah, there's intrigue from the giddy. And the, the film, right, there's this, ooh, intricacy with the food. <sighs> I mean, the food looks so fucking good, <laughs> right? Food look good. I mean, you'd be like, yo, can I get an invite to this spot? Actually, maybe I don't want an invite, but the food look good. Food look real good. And, yeah, it's that detail that we see of that, the detail of everyone in the kitchen, the uniformity. Hmm, might have made that word up. But we see that, the way everyone is in sync. All of this is really captured so well, right? It, it, it flows like a machine. So we see all of that, and then there's this inner workings of all the people. And we see a lot of entitlement there, right? The tech bros, you know, they just feel like, oh, we got the money, especially with the whole bread situation. Be like, hmm, do you know who we are, right? We have those kind of things. You've got some, like, inner intrigue between couples, like the movie star and his assistant. You know what I mean? There's all of these things going. And so I think you're watching and you're thinking, hmm, this is an interesting character piece, right? Are, are we looking at all of these people's relationships between themselves and then with food, like the way we see food, right? Is, is that what this is? And the film is broken up, right? Um, well, we get a, uh, there is a name for it, which... I have to say, I do forget, right? It, it, it's like a scorecard. Um, so we get one of those that comes up. So it's like uh, the aperitif, first course, second course. And the chef will come out and it'll be like, people, this is what we are getting. And this whole display, right? The you do really feel sucked into. So I think that is initially, I'm thinking it's this character piece. And then I think it's, mm, I think it's on the third course. I think it's the third course that we first realize this isn't, <laughs> it definitely isn't what you think it might be. Definitely is not. 
right? And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, shit, oh, shit. And so as then the film is going on, we're getting more information dropping and you're realizing this thing about everyone involved, right? Then there's this thing about everyone, it seems to tie everyone together, which you're like, oh, ooh. But man, I'm just, yeah, I, I was captivated all the way through. This is a fantastic film, right? I, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, look, there's people talking about it, but I don't think it was getting the same recognition as stuff like The Banshee of Ishira and, and, and stuff, which, again, fantastic film, right? But I think the menu is fantastic as well. Right? It, it, it's just the way it transports you to this exclusive world. Now, there is definitely a thing, right? You can go out for dinner, you know, go to a nice restaurant, and it's great. Man, especially last year, went to some real nice restaurants, right? Then you go <laughs> to that upper echelon of joint, and there is a distinct difference right and the menu kind of really gives you that difference just the way it's put together like the angles and shots chosen work immensely well and this cast oh my days they play their roles to a plumb ah magnificent performances here my one, my one thing is the ending. Ah, the ending kind of bugged me just because I feel, hmm. Now, there's something with one of the characters. Let's just say this. I don't want to spoil shit, man. There's something about one of the characters, and I feel this is the norm. Right, it, it would have been good to see that with one of the others, I feel. Right, one of the different characters, you know, what I mean? give us something a little bit different. That's what I, I would have liked to have seen that because, uh, you know, everyone's an asshole, even this character, right? So it's just a bit like there's other ones that you feel might have been better served, you know? But that that's it. That's my only, my only grievance with this film. Otherwise, yeah, definitely, definitely check out the menu. I will be telling my peoples to check this if they have not seen it already. Thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. It is a film you will want to get tucked into. <laughs> the menu, people. Go check it out. Okay, people. So we're close to the end of this first episode of the year. 
But before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Not a whole lot of stuff, but there's a little bit of stuff, people. Okay, so if you were wondering, right, March 6th is when our Ocean's Eleven prequel film, right, which stars Margaret Robbie and Ryan Gosling, will be um, getting into production. Okay, so... It's a prequel because this is based in the 60s, supposedly, right? With a global setting. So, um, you know, I, yeah, it's just one of those films that doesn't really seem like it needed a prequel. Actually, it didn't even really need sequels. But, hmm, let's see what happens here, shall we? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, written by Carrie Solman. Um, I forget who directs, but to be honest, not really caring. Okay. Um, now, before then, January 26th will be when... Now, is it highly anticipated? I don't know. But... It's the Teen Wolf movie that will be hitting Paramount Plus on that date. So if you were an avid fan of the MTV series, right, great news for you. Also, right, because I think this got cancelled before it was planned to end technically, right, it ran for six seasons, uh, but the um, director, um, well, creator, Jeff Davis, has said that the film is basically, see, everything he had planned for season seven, right? So he's crammed it all into a film. So I imagine if you have not watched any of the TV show, then this film will not make a lick of sense to you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Bear that in mind, people, I would say, right? Now, I imagine if you have Paramount Plus, right, you should probably have access to the whole series. So if you feel inclined, you've got the time, um, and you want to kill some brain cells, maybe watch Team Wolf. Have fun, people. Have on okay so we looked at white noise right from noah back and bow bam and back bam bam but i don't really know how to pronounce homie's name right i'm saying bam back but i might be wrong but he has a new film in the works right um now it's all been a bit, it's a bit hush-hush, you know what I mean? No real details or anything like that. Um, it will be a Netflix film because he's got a deal with Netflix, right? So we know that. Um, what we do, the one bit of, the one bit of info we do know, though, right? is that the film will 
be starring Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with this one. You know what I mean? Uh, in other news, people, right? So we know that Ghostbusters Afterlife has got a sequel coming, right? But the other thing we know, there's going to be an animated Ghostbusters film, right? So, um, yeah, the co-director of the film, Jennifer Kluska, um, who grew up watching Ghostbusters, the animated series. No, it was the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, wasn't the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, the real Ghostbusters, right? She is, you know, she really loved that TV series and says the film will be kind of the cousin of that series, right? So, you know, it gives them more scope for bigger, more creative ghosts and ghouls and other shenanigans, you know? It's going to have a, a distinctive feel, an artistic look. So, yeah, you know, I think that if you enjoyed the real Ghostbusters, you will probably be happy to hear that one, won't you, people? You know what I mean? Um, in other news, right, he killed it, killed it with Werewolf by Night, right, which was his directorial debut. Now, Michael Giacchino has scored his first cinema release feature hmm right you might wonder what will he be doing well he's um remaking them right over at warner brothers so it's a like they say it's a reboot but i'm very confused whether it's a reboot or a remake but then was a, a, about a man eating giant ants, right? Hmm. Could it be global warming, people? I don't know. But uh, yeah, giant ant, right? So um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he does with this. So yeah, I mean, they say this was the the first, right? The first nuclear mutant. You know what I mean? Because um, the film came out in 54, right? So Godzilla and all of that came from the nuclear bomb kind of situation. But this was meant to be the, one of the first. So, yeah, there you go, right? So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does with it. But as I said, um, Werewolf by Night was pretty freaking great. So, uh, yeah. He's going to um, score the film as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm interested. I'm interested for sure. Uh, now, Avatar, it's the number one film coming into 2023, right? And um, the other thing we know is... This film is making serious cheese, right? At present, it's 
boy, it well, it's over one one and a half billion, right? One and a half billion motherfucking dollars, right? Now Cameron has said that it needs to make two million dollar, two billion to be to get the other films green lit. Probably it has hit that mark. You know what I mean? It's that fucking crazy. It's that crazy, man. Um, now, one thing it has done already, though, right? Well, there's a few things. We know that we're going to get the full film now, I think, right? The, the third film was always coming next year. And with this film, I'm just killing it like it is, the fourth and fifth film will be made. And the other big thing, um, it has surpassed Top Gun Maverick, which was the uh, number one film of 2022, which made 1,489,000,000, right? So, yeah, Avatar has already passed that. And I think Top Gun made that sum over months, right? Avatar's been out, what, two weeks, if that? Which is insane. You know what I mean? Insane. But because of that, right? Disney have, um, you know, once again, right? Because I think they've been number one, uh, the number one studio with uh, box office gross for the last few years. Uh, and yeah, they, um, what did they do? They raked in $4.9 billion, right? That's $2 billion domestically, $2.9 in overseas ticket sales. I mean, that's pretty fucking crazy, right? Um, actually, they've been number one since 2016. Whew! It's insane. Insane, right? Um, now, the next studio, right, which was Universal Pictures, they're a billion under, right? They came with 3.9 billion, 1.65 domestic, 2. 0.25 overseas, right? And um, yeah, the top Disney films was Avatar with 1.303 billion, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which made 956 million, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, 817 million. Uh, for Love and Thunder, 761 mils. And Lightyear, which made 226. So, um, yeah. Some big-ass fucking movies, right? And, I mean, with everything that's coming this year, right? You can only imagine what they're gonna make, right? We got Ant Man, we got Marvels, 
we got Guardians of the Galaxy 3, right? That's three Marvel films. The Little Mermaid live action. We got the Indiana Jones, Doll of Destiny. There's a new Pixar film, Elemental. And Haunting in Venice, a new Akupuro adventure. Oh, plus Wish and Takawatiti's next goal wins. So they're probably going to be making a whole heap of cheddar in 2023, I imagine. Right? Now, let's end with this one because, right, I said I want to watch it and it looks like, hey, I just have to wait a few weeks, right? Because Disney have announced that February the 1st will be the date that Black Panther Wakanda forever hits the Disney Plus platform. So mark it in your calendars, people. I tell you, I cannot wait. Me and my girl are going to sit down. We're going to do a double bill, I feel. The first and then forever. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, people, I hope the year has started with some good films. You know what I mean? And I imagine it should continue in that way. So until next week, have fun. All right.